Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. My friends, I want to thank you for being part of our Live Inspired podcast community. And as much as I love the guests that we have on, I appreciate even more the impact of their stories, their messages, their lives on yours. So I'm asking you to take just a moment to do me a big favor. I'd like you to take a survey so that we can better understand what it is about our Live Inspired podcast that you love, what's working for you, maybe what's not working perfectly for you, what more you'd like to hear about, and maybe a special guest you'd like us to bring on. You can take this survey by visiting me online at johnolearyinspires.com forward slash podcast. Again, here we go, johnolearyinspires.com forward slash podcast. Come on. I really want these podcasts to be as best as they can. I want them to challenge your thinking and elevate your lives. So take just a moment right now, help us make this better, not only for you, but for our entire community. Your feedback matters. So go again right now to johnolearyinspires.com forward slash podcast. Now, here we go. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. As always, I am thrilled to have you along for the ride on this Live Inspired podcast and as part of our Live Inspired movement. I had the great pleasure just a couple months ago of speaking at the RTRX Leadership Event in Columbus, Ohio. And it's it's full of all these inspirational thinkers, movers and shakers, business owners, philanthropists, givers, Ladies and gentlemen who understand, I think, what life is really all about. It was packed with individuals. They, they filled up the convention center. I had the pleasure of being one of the speakers. But more than speaking, I had the honor of seated, being seated at a table with another one of the speakers. His name was Joe DeLoss. And I wasn't sure when I met Joe what he was going to talk about. I candidly never heard of his name, hadn't heard of his business, didn't know what his message was for that day. But what I knew leaving lunch was this was a good man with a good heart. And that's enough for me. Then I got to hear Joe speak for about 15 minutes and I was blown away. When he walked off stage, I stood up, I shook his hand, I gave him a hug and I said, man, I wanna be your friend and I wanna do life together and I wanna share your story with our Live Inspire community. It's an incredible, incredible story about a guy who is building a fried chicken empire and yet, his work and his life in reality has very little to do with fried chicken. That's not what is turning him on. That's not what is inspiring him. That's just what he's using to touch lives. It's a great story. You're gonna love this message today. You're gonna love Joe and I can't wait to bring him on. So without further ado, I invite you right now to open up your hearts your minds, open up your journals, uh, uncork those pens, take a bite of that fried chicken. Let's get ready to rock and roll into this message with my new friend and yours, Joe DeLoss. Joe, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. Thank you for having me. Man, it is an honor to have you on our show. For those who uh, aren't yet familiar with the name Joe DeLoss, tell us a little bit about Hmm. the work you're doing today. Uh, So right now, I am the founder and CEO of Hot Chicken Takeover, uh, which is uh, a fried chicken restaurant chain growing out of Columbus, Ohio. 
uh, we sell a delicious spicy style of uh, Nashville um, fried chicken, along with my grandma's side dishes of baked mac and cheese and vinegar-based coleslaw. And we do it in an atmosphere that feels kind of like a family reunion. And so our business has been growing and it's exciting, but we built this company uh, because I was really passionate about creating jobs and building a, a new kind of employment experience. And so I think that's what we're going to talk about. It is what we're going to be talking about. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks whisper about they do things because it makes a difference. Uh, and we give back 0.0004% of profits to charity. Like, aren't, aren't we awesome? You know, come buy our chicken. And yet, <laughs> th this this whole business, this whole business is set up to make a difference. We are going to be talking about that impact, the difference, and what you're seeing in the community in Columbus and beyond. But before we go there, I want to talk about where you've been, man. So let's talk about where you, where you grew up. Where, where was home base for you as a kid? Yeah, I you know, I grew up kind of throughout the Midwest. I, I started my life here in Columbus, Ohio uh, with my family. We moved around quite a bit from there. Uh, and I ultimately made it back to Columbus uh, for, uh, for college at, at Capital University. Um, but I have... Uh, a really wonderful family. I've got uh, an older sister and, and two really tremendous parents. And uh, thankfully, life has brought everybody back uh, to Columbus, Ohio. So I get to spend a lot of time with my, my family. And I have a, a beautiful wife and a partner in crime named Lisa and uh, two wonderful little daughters as well. You know, we, we become later on in life I think what we were taught when we were little. And so our influences as, as little ones has a profound impact on the men and women we grow, grow into later on in life. Talk about some of the influences in your life growing up. Who, who really helped shape the arc of your life going forward? Yeah. So, you know, in my kind of early life, I was grateful to have a lot of influence from, uh, uh, two grandmothers and a grandfather that were all living um, and, and two really rock solid parents. And so uh, to speak about my parents, kind of first, uh, my dad, uh, Dan, and my mom, Nikki, were both really just hardworking, um, hardworking kind of active community members. Uh, my family had made a transition from kind of uh, blue collar uh, trade oriented work into more uh, professional work environments uh, right before I came into the world. And um, I just had a, had kind of an ethic and spirit about how to be a good neighbor and um, how to be a good uh, member of a, a work community um, that left a huge impression on me. Mm. And, and, and because of that too, they, they invested a tremendous amount in the community um, through church, through the neighborhood, um, it just that that kind of service and uh, contribution back to our neighbors was always a big part of our life and, and something that was instilled by in them by their parents, mm -hmm. who also had a huge influence in my life. And so spent some days uh, and afternoons at um, a food pantry with my grandfather that he managed and um, uh, heard uh uh, many stories and legacy of uh, my grandfather on my mom's side that had passed away, who was an entrepreneur, and uh, he and my grandmother uh, supported their their workforce in a really tremendous way too. And so, a lot of great, a lot of great impressions and a, a unbelievable foundation for me that 
that set me on this course. Joe, I, I uh, try to show my kids the value of serving others. <laughs> But I find my little ones, and uh, don't judge me, listeners, but this is the truth. They go into that soup kitchen, in quotes, whatever whatever project we're working on, kind of kicking and screaming. They may walk out with smiles on their face, but but it is, um, it is an, a challenge to bring them in. When you went with grandpa, was it, uh, was it work? Did you, did you uh, want to be out on the yeah. ball field instead, or was it something? No, man, I got to be with my grandpa doing cool stuff. You know, probably a little bit more of the latter. Um, I just had, I had so much reverence and love for my, uh, my grandpa, uh, whose name was Tony. Um, and, and I think, I think what the impression that he and, and my family, uh, made on me was less about, um, uh, the kind of charitable aspect of giving back and more about just the value of people, mm. um, that everybody's life. Uh, everybody's life can take turns. Um, but that it, I, I think that, it, and of course this is reflection and hindsight to give me this perspective, but I really think what I saw with them was, was really true engagement and relationship that they were interested in building with others. And um, unfortunately that's not the tone that most uh, charity takes. And, and I, I think that's a huge problem. Uh, but I had a model that was ba- about, just the dignity of communication and community and relationship and conversation um, as the basis for um, any form of support to a, another human. And um, I, I think that it was more formative than anything else. You've been a servant and uh, focus on individuals really your entire life. And you've been hardworking. You've been kind of a bootstrapper and yeah. you've been entrepreneurial the majority of your life. Share, yeah. with, share with our listeners like an example of how, how uh, as a kid, those things all came together. Like give us a project that you remember yeah. working on. Yeah. So I, I mean, I found, I think I, without knowing what entrepreneurship was, but I, I had a very entrepreneurial, hardworking family. And really early on, I mean, earliest example was, uh, is, is probably in the fourth grade that was the most formative, but, um, really early on, I was finding ways to make my own money and I loved it. Um, and so at that time, uh, me and a couple buddies, uh, were, uh, all kind of looting our family's pantries in our, in our homes. And we, we lived in a new subdivision with a lot of new construction and a lot of construction workers. And so through the summer, I was living in Minneapolis then. We loaded up a wagon with uh, an ice-down cooler and a whole bunch of snacks and uh, literally went around the neighborhood um, selling cold pop and <laughs> popsicles uh, to construction workers that were, were building up our community and, and neighborhood. And it was uh, it worked for maybe like one or two grocery store trips before our moms <laughs> caught on that uh, we were selling uh, all of all of the groceries they had bought. And so learned very quickly that you have to have expenses when you have a business. And uh, if you don't, it won't last long. You were a young Robin Hood. What were you doing with the profits? <laughs> you know, I don't even know at that point. I was I was probably just spending them on more candy, um, (laughs) but, uh, it was, uh, it was a really good adventure while it lasted. And, and, and the rest of my kind of adolescence was filled with 
a lot of other things like that from teaching guitar lessons to kind of chauffeuring around older senior citizens that had cars but couldn't drive them anymore. Mm. Uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. You shared in Columbus at, at the conference <clears throat> just briefly about you were serving in a, in a soup kitchen and you enjoyed it and you, you liked the work you did. And then you recognized as many bowls as you poured and as many people as you served, it was good. It was impacting their lives, but it wasn't shortening the line. And I remember writing that down. It like, it really hit me. You were doing the right thing, but it wasn't shortening the line. What? Tell me what that means. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one really literal example and, and um, kind of in line with my perspective on a, a, just a lot of the compassionate, charitable work we do in the community and that communities and governments and organizations do and churches do is really meaningful. And I, I want to be sensitive to not undermine that. It's work. I believe that needs to be done. I, I think sometime in college, this intersection of building and entrepreneurship and uh, service to me really started fusing together. And, and a big part of that was through traditional volunteer service where I was serving in um, uh, a food pantry or a kitchen, um, you start to realize how deep and how difficult and complex these problems are that, that lead to the line mm. of people and um, serving, serving soup or serving meals is a compassionate act. And I'm grateful it happens in our community, but um, it, it's not eradicating the line in any way. Um, and so I, I think it's a very compassionate bandaid on something that needs uh, really precise surgery. Um, and I started to get a lot more excited about, um, the types of things we could build and the types of interventions that we could create and sustain that, that might shorten the line. And um, so that, that would have been in like 2004 or so, my sophomore year of college, mm. that uh, I was started to have those, those moments and reflections. Um, and then it kind of sparked from there. Talk about fresh box catering. Yeah. Um, so I, I went through college and kind of shaped a career for myself and education for myself around this idea of social enterprise of how can we sustainably tackle problems in our community through entrepreneurship and um, uh, was very convinced that that was the direction I wanted to go. There was not a lot of that activity happening in central Ohio at that time. And, and really it was a little ahead of the curve um, from the, the greater social enterprise movement across the country. And, um, I uh, got out of college. I was an investment banker for a little while and then um, finally found an opportunity to take a job as a director at a, a large social service agency here in town um, called Lutheran Social Services. And uh, they operated a variety of homeless shelters, food pantries, um, you name it, um, a lot of compassionate service. And they were interested in building businesses that can meaningfully employ people they serve through their mission work. And uh, the first business uh, I launched on their behalf was a business called Fresh Box Catering, which is still running here in Columbus and was a corporate lunch catering company um, that provided meaningful employment to men and women affected by homelessness and that were, were living it from time to time in the shelters operated by the organization. When you use the word meaningful employment, what, 
What do, what do you mean by that? Uh, wow, that's a great question, John. Uh, I, I think, I think for me, uh, meaningful employment or transformative employment um, are, are talking about building positive job experiences for people that they probably haven't had many of them. And mm. unfortunately, if, if you're somebody that's uh, affected by homelessness, have a poor work history, have been affected by incarceration or a criminal record, um, the, many of the job opportunities and experiences you'll have access to are predatory um, and, and are, are not going to, to seek uh, to, to have a positive influence on, on your experience or, um, or others for that matter. And so um, when I think about meaningful employment, I think about really being a positive employer of choice for somebody um, with, with a, a job with pride and dignity and, and access to things that, uh, could meaningfully move you forward. You, uh, you continue to move forward. You have an experience. I think you're in Nashville, if I'm getting this all right, where you are dining on some delicious chicken. You're enjoying the environment and you have one of those, one of those moments that shapes what takes place next in your life. Uh, take us back to that experience. Yeah. I mean, a little context, uh, there are a lot of threads you're pulling together here. And so a little bit of context is I, I had, I had left Freshbox catering and Lutheran social services and really sought out to, to build something on my own. And I, I knew I wanted to be doing this work. I knew I wanted to be a job creator and really flailed through a few years of getting by, um, doing consulting and workforce development work, um, trying to start things. Um, and, and I, I launched a, a, an initiative, uh, that was called framework, which was a staffing company that operated under all these principles that we'll, we'll speak about today. And, uh, for one reason or another, uh, it did not work, uh, and, uh, have a lot of hindsight and reflection there, but I was left with an ambition to become a job creator, but I, I was kind of agnostic about what, <laughs> Uh, what was going to be the business that would allow me to create jobs? And so fast forward, I, I was doing a lot of discovery and, and my wife and I took a trip to Nashville, Tennessee and really fell in love with the culture uh, and the food experience down there and the specific food uh, of hot chicken um, and uh, came home kind of, you know, in, in your language on fire to, to think about what you know, this spark could mean to our, to our community or our business. And that's where it started. Well, then it starts for real on April 6, <laughs> 2014. It's on, man. You serve your first it's piece on. of undercooked chicken. Uh, <laughs> but that's yeah, when it begins. we were making a lot of mistakes back then. Um, but what? yeah, so I, I, I mean, we had, we had, I had sent that trip in the fall of 2013 to Nashville I had been serving friends chicken in our uh, living room and meeting some strangers. I, I, there are a couple times where I served people chicken in a, uh, in like an empty parking lot across the street from our house. Yeah. Right. Um, and yeah. And so we, we brought it to market on April 6th. And at that point you had to buy a ticket to come pick up a chicken dinner uh, in this, a uh, random corner in a neighborhood called Old Town East uh, in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, that was it. And so we had, we served a couple hundred pieces of chicken that day that were all pre-purchased. 
and uh, uh, people lined up for it. Talk about who's preparing the chicken <laughs> and who's serving the chicken, and and what's what's the real what's the real mission behind the chicken? Yeah, uh, so from from day one with hot chicken, and, and really for for the last ten years of experience, we. Uh, uh, we have sought out to meaningfully employ men and women that have been affected by incarceration or, or some other kind of uh, heavy adversity in their life. And so uh, I've, I've been doing that work now for over 10 years. Uh, and many of those relationships I've built uh, through the years were meaningful in the early days of Hot Chicken. And so from day one, I had friends uh, that, that joined the team and uh, they were uh, – Figuring out how to how to fry chicken with me in increasing quantities, while I was out greeting customers and hosting the line, and my my wife Lisa was literally serve, selling chicken as the cashier through this little window on the side of the building that we had duct taped chicken window over top <laughs> of. Uh, and so yeah, that's where you know the the kind of the fusion of um, a revenue generator. Of, of, a, of start the early stages of our fried chicken restaurant, hot chicken takeover, and our employment strategy started to, started to blend together. Well, keep, keep walking us forward. Yeah, so the, the men and women on our team uh, have really diverse experience. And, and so uh, it's about 60% of our team um, have what we call an alternative resume. And so an alternative resume is generally uh, a work history or a life that has been marked by run-ins with the criminal justice system. And uh, uh, the Wall Street Journal has reported about one in three adult uh, Americans have a, uh, some form of a criminal record uh, from uh, misdemeanor to felony uh, offenses. And so I, I always remind people that this isn't some small minority uh, community yes. in America. This this is America, yes. uh, and and this is a, an outcome of our criminal justice system. And so, um, what what I've come to know and, and and truly believe in my heart is that a criminal record, more often than not, and the majority of times, is a matter of circumstance, not character. And so, I I I like to remind people that the work we do is not charitable. Um, it is not philanthropic. We hire a team of, of really high character, high integrity people that have made our restaurant best in class and have given us, given us a runway as a brand and as a business to become, you know, a regional and then national chain. And that's exactly what we intend to do. Um, and so uh, there's, there's nothing sympathetic about this. And, and I think often when people get exposed to our work and the novelty they believe of who we hire, um, they really underestimate the impact that it has had on our business. Joe, you you mentioned when we were together in Columbus that uh, most people who hire look at the resume and they look backward at where the employee has been. And then you basically said, we ignore essentially the resume <laughs> and we imagine together where that person might go next. Tell That's me, exactly tell, right. Tell me more about that because that, that is so countercultural. And, and I would suggest uh, most people would think it will not work. It will not work. You got to look backward first. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think what people, when people look backwards in a general, more conventional sense, they're looking at, at, at these 
indicators of somebody's life that might include um, a conviction or might include some time spent in a correctional facility. I, when you start to believe that those are symptoms of a bigger issue, symptoms of the same thing that causes the line at the food pantry, um, uh, it, these are way more complex than a little indicator on somebody's resume. And so uh, what we believe is that if we can understand the context and, and build a relationship with somebody with dignity and, and pride and some humanity, um, you'll really start unpacking the problem in a different way. And, and it gives you a different degree of love and empathy for somebody. And, uh, you know, we've, we're talking about it in some soft language now that they might feel a little warm and fuzzy, but uh, we've built this tactically into an HR strategy and give people an opportunity to build a different indicator of their future through work. Um, and, and if somebody comes on board and uh, is, is behaving in a way that isn't aligned with our work culture or our values or our company, uh, they don't last. You know, there's, there's nothing sympathetic about that job contract. Um, but the benefit there is that uh, way more often than not, our team members are proving to us that their futures are really bright and look much different than that past uh, that so many others have held them to. Do you think that idea of being, you know, you used the word a moment ago, loved and feeling like they belong and being accepted and forgiven and redeemed through this next opportunity in their lives creates a different kind of bond and culture and then drive to not just produce exceptional chicken and to greet guests in a different manner, but to, to lead their lives differently? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I... We walk a fine line there. Uh, hot chicken takeover is a, is a, you know, we believe we are a community of people realizing our potential. And that, that goes top to bottom and, and through our ranks. It's not limited to, you know, this target kind of audience we have to differentiate our, our labor strategy and candidate pool. But I believe, to your point, that, that love and uh, community are disruptive for everybody. And, and unfortunately have been taken out of most, uh, most environments. And so um, for us, uh, we do believe that that can be the spark, um, the foundation for people to really realize their potential. And as an employer, uh, we get to benefit from the outcome of that to be alongside of people on that journey. And uh, it makes a huge difference. It makes a difference for our community of employees. It makes a huge difference for our community of customers. Um, and it's, it's really enriching all the way around. Joe restaurant, uh, it's, it's a tough business and, and <laughs> in particular, f uh, fairly fresh restaurant businesses are even more difficult to attract and then maintain and retain great employees. W what is across the industry? When you look around the nation, what's the retention rate on employees within the industry? From a, from a, from our category, you know, if you go really broad and in, are inclusive of the hospitality sector and accommodation sector, um, turnover this year is, is somewhere in the mid seventies. Um, if you look in more quick service and fast casual restaurants that are more directly aligned with us, usually a hundred to 150% a year 
meaning that, that they're getting two to three bodies for every seat mm-hmm. every year, uh, which is wild. Um, our turnover um, hovers around 40% or less. And not all that turnover is, is what we consider regrettable turnover. Mm-hmm. And so uh, by, by kind of all uh, intensive purposes, Hot Chicken Takeover is performing two to three times better in terms of employee retention uh, and productivity than most folks in our segment. So th- those are big numbers, right? I mean, you're talking about a huge yeah. impact globally and in your restaurants and maybe for those who are listening in HR and business, in your businesses, it's a big deal. Give us a more narrow number. How about one? Can you share one example of maybe one employee that came onto your team and maybe uh, outwardly, if you'd read the resume closely, would not have been a fit, but uh, you saw a fit, you stopped looking backward, you started looking forward, and together you built something bigger than maybe either one of you imagined. Is is there one employee that kind of just stands out above the others? Um, there's there's well more than one, right. uh, thankfully, which is what makes this place so special. And, and I'm sensitive here, John, like not my stories to tell. Um, and Fair so- enough. We've got we've got a handful of team members who have outwardly shared their story in press and media, uh, and so there's a lot of them floating out there. But um, what I can say is, top to bottom, our business has been built uh, with men and women who uh, have been overlooked by by the other kind of work community, um, and it is a competitive advantage for us uh, to have such a special group of people working working for us. And so I, I'd encourage people to go out there and, and see some of the stories of our team members in their own words, mm. um, because it's a heck of a lot more compelling than me, me trying to, <laughs> to do it for them. What's the vision as you kind of shut your eyes on this beautiful early yeah. fall day and you look forward to what's coming next? What, what, what do you see happening within your restaurants, within your business and really within our marketplace? Yeah. So speaking to, to hot chicken takeover specifically, uh, we are, uh, hopefully well on our way, uh, to build, uh, a large restaurant group and chain, uh, that are in kind of embracing customers in this, uh, community of fried chicken, uh, and in our restaurant culture, uh, that is really, uh, a special experience to have as a guest. And so I want to keep spreading that message. And every time we open a restaurant, it means 50 or so jobs. And so uh, we have a vision to be uh, a, the biggest community of people realizing our potential we could imagine. And so I, I'm going to keep plucking off restaurants, uh, 50 jobs at a time um, to make that happen. And if, uh, if you look at our logo, uh, whether it's on the announcement for the podcast or any of our media or our website, you'll see that our logo is uh, a rooster with an asterisk uh, yes. next to it. And, and that asterisk to us is, is what means extraordinary people and extraordinary experiences. And it, it, that asterisk is what connotes everything we've talked about today. And so I'd love to see that asterisk on a lot more businesses, um, on a, a lot more ideas. And that doesn't mean I have to own them. It doesn't mean I have to build them, uh, but I want to be a, a catalyst uh, to make that message spread and uh, to, to encourage more employers and more businesses to build this kind of community. What has surprised you most about 
opening these restaurants and meeting these men and women and serving your guests and uh, and really living out your dream that you had when you saw that long line in the soup kitchen and you recognize we're, we're feeding bellies, but we're not shortening the line. So as you've journeyed forward over the last five years, what's really surprised you most looking back on it? Jeez. Uh, well, I've learned a lot about chicken, John, and a lot of surprises there. Uh, but those, of course, not, are not. We're, we're trying to retain our <laughs> listeners today. Let's not unpack the chicken phenom. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks for giving me a pass on that. Um, <laughs> right. You know, I, I think as an entrepreneur and as a leader, um, my life has changed a significant amount. Every day I wake up and I'm, I'm, I'm building and running an organization uh, for the first time again, that is at that stage. Um, and uh, I couldn't do that without our community of employees. And um, I have had some of the most enriching uh, experiences in my life because of the community of employees we have at Hot Chicken Takeover. And um, that is going to continue to grow. And um, that is something that has enriched my life at a magnitude I can't explain. Mm. Um but it's enriched our business in a way uh, that as we continue to learn how to quantify and track data is, uh, is, is exponential as well. And so I'm really grateful to be on this journey and uh, grateful to have the, the kind of love and support and community of our team every day. And I'm just uh, uh, really excited to see where this goes. Well, man, we're excited to see where it goes with you to uh, eat chicken alongside of you and to see what that asterisk says next. You know, you, like you mentioned, it always means there's more to the story. There's more to the story. And we are convinced there's certainly more to the Joe DeLaw story and, and to the, the lives you're touching through your work. Uh, on our Live Inspired podcast, Joe, we always wrap up with seven questions. It, it ties all of our guests together. So I'm, I'm going to walk you down the gauntlet right now. It's a safe gauntlet low, so get ready for it. But <laughs> okay. here we go, my friend. What is the best book that you have ever read? Best book I've ever read. Uh, and the one I keep going back to, um, to provide myself some direction and solace is uh, Walden uh, by mm. my friend, Henry David Thoreau. Uh, I actually named a Airstream trailer. <laughs> after Henry David Thoreau once. And so um, that is a book that I keep finding. Uh, every time I read, I find some peace and contentment for myself. What is it about him that you um, that moves you? You know, I, I, I think just the idea of, of seeking uh, and exploring a different foundation and a way of living um, has um, really inspired me to always take the reins of, of what uh, my life looks like and my life looks pretty different than Henry David Thoreau's and Walden, um, but a life of exploration and understanding and reflection is, is really at, at the basis of growth, and I want to keep growing. Joe, what's one positive characteristic, one trait uh, that you possessed when you were a little kid, a child, that you wish you exhibited, that you wish you displayed uh, as brightly today? You know, I think the creativity and um, uh, freedom from ego that children have is really magical. And so, um, you know, as an adult, I'm, I'm constantly battling with uh, the judgments that I put on myself and have placed on myself through experience, relationships, et cetera. And, and I know they're constraints. And so 
uh, the more that I can be present and, and, and love and empathize with the world, uh, the way children do, um, just really feels boundless. And I, I see that in my own girls, uh, and it's, it's so captivating. Mm. How old are your daughters, by the way? Two and a half and four and a half and every bit of those age ranges. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> More on that. We need a second podcast to unpack what you just described there. I don't have time yeah, for exactly. it right now, but I, I we get it. Yeah. Anyone who's been around a two and a half and a four and a half know what you're talking about. Well, Joe, yeah. if, if your home caught fire and those girls and your bride and your animals, everybody's out and you have an opportunity to run in and grab one thing that really matters to you, what would you grab? You know, I, uh, John, I don't know if I'd have anything else I'd need to grab. Uh, I've got a, a really blessed life with relationships that are really, uh, really meaningful to me. And uh, uh, being present with them is just about all I need. Um, and uh, there's not a, not an item in there that I, that I think would uh, make a difference. I'm going to make you. I'm going to force the issue here and say you you can't safely return to your life without one item in your hand. So it could be an heirloom, a book, a cell phone, anything you want to grab. But is there anything from your past that you want to have as you move toward your future? Um, You know, I'm going to just go really tactical here. I don't have (laughs) an emotional, deep connection to to things. I've always thought live long, travel light. but I'm a builder, and right now the thing that makes me build best is probably my cell phone. So I'm going straight tactical. There you go. I grab, I grab my iPhone and uh, make a run for what's next. Awesome. If you could sit on a bench on a perfect day, overlooking a beach, and have a long conversation with anybody, Joe, living or dead, who would you want to be on that bench seated next to? Um. I would aim for mountains, not beach preference. All right. Well, but, hey, let, we're going to move I, <laughs> the first time ever on the Live Inspired podcast. We're doing oh, this. Goodness. We've just moved to Walden Pond. We are looking at the pond <laughs> and the mountains in the background. Joe oh, is goodness. there, but Joe, who's next to you? Um, I would have my wife, Lisa. Uh, it is every opportunity I have to be uh, present with her and have uh uh, meaningful conversation and engage with one another uh, always opens me up and, and gives me a different perspective. And so um, I would have Lisa with me. And uh, as you know, as a, a family man and father, uh, finding that time is a mm. huge privilege. And so uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, take that time and gift I had of a bench and mountains and Walden Pond uh, without grabbing Lisa to be with me. What's the best part about Lisa? Uh, you know, Lisa, uh, if I want to live uh, free from ego and uh, really to understand uh, how my behavior and, and choices affect others, uh, Lisa is my best benchmark and, and just is a truth teller and truth seer. And, uh, she does that for me. She does that for a lot of people and, um, is a, a real, real gift. Well, man, I hope she's listening right now. Cause if she is, her heart is melting like everyone else's. 
What, what is the yeah. best advice that either Lisa or anyone else has ever given you? Uh, you know, I think I, I'm going through a really major just leadership transition um, uh, of just uh, running a, a, a five-person organization versus a 150 or a, a 15,000-person organization someday uh, is such a different place to be. And so the best advice I've gotten really recently that's tactical is um, uh, instead of answering a question uh, with some answer, uh, some judgment from me, I simply ask back the question to say, what do you think we should do? Mm. Yeah. If you have the right community of people around you, they will have the right answer. And as a leader, it's been the single most freeing thing I've had um, that has allowed me to live in a space for our business that is different and, um, is, is ahead of where we're at. Uh, and it's, it's also been the most kind of freeing thing for me personally. Um, and so I think asking that question in the community, people around you will, will ensure you have the right community, um, and, um, really empower them to, to take ownership of what's next to Joe, what, what would you tell your, your 20 year old self? Whew. Uh, I have, I probably tell myself a lot, but I, I, I think, I, I think, uh, what I'd tell myself now is, um, to slow down and be present and, um, make decisions, uh, for the moment you're in, um, not the moment you want to be in. And I, I, I think in my twenties, I escaped to the future, uh, a tremendous amount. And, uh, that creates, damage in relationships and friendships and business. And, um, it's just, it's not the place to be. Mm. Joe DeLoss, it has been said that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like your one sentence to read? I really should have done my homework before this. That's a, a great question. <laughs> I believe uh, this was um, a pop quiz, by the way. This is not homework. You, you can't prepare for it. It's supposed to be present. Yeah. Take your own advice. <laughs> yeah, there I go again. See, this is tough. It's a, <laughs> a, lifelong, a lifelong lesson for me. I think I would like to be, you know, I don't know, I don't know how to articulate the sentence or the words, but I'd like a legacy of um, somebody that was um, empathetic and and all and communicated, you know, the value that, um, that everybody has. And, uh, my life has been, been enriched by my ability to build relationships with people that have had very different experience than me, um, in, in so many ways. And, uh, it is, uh, has been a really special life and, and, um, I'm hopeful that it continues this way, but, um, I don't know what that sentence is, John, mm. but it would be something to do with building relationships and um, opening yourself to the, the value that so many others have to share with you. Well, you've been living that sentence uh, for your entire life, and so I look forward to reading it uh, decades and decades and decades downstream <laughs> from where we are right now. We normally end with Live Inspired seven questions, but today we have eight. Joe, for those who are, are looking around their their lives, their marriages, their singleness, their addictions, their challenges, their business units, uh, their lack of employment, 
the society that seems so broken, the political foray that seems so messed up right now. You asked us a question right uh, a few moments ago of yourself, and I'm gonna ask you to answer it. What do you think we should do? When we see things out there in the community that we know are busted, that we know there's a better way, what do you think we should do about it individually? Uh, great question again. Um, <clears throat> you know, one of my great mentors and um, teachers, a, a guy named Juan Alvarez, uh, has told me or paraphrased in, in so many ways that, uh, you know, challenge and adversity is part of life, but um, suffering is, hmm. is a choice. It's optional. And, and I think so frequently we see bad things happening and can create judgment for ourselves and identity that create distance from those terrible things. Um, and I, I just think if you can um, reflect and empathize and um, try to be uh, to lead with love instead of judgment, uh, you will uh, really start to understand um, that a lot can be done. Um, and, and for me, uh, I do that my own myopic way through this business and this filter of hot chicken takeover and, um, others, uh, others get to do that on a broader scale or an even smaller scale. And I think we have that choice every day. Um, and I encourage people to take it and, uh, lead with love and, uh, it will, it'll be more disruptive than, any technology or application that mm. we'll ever have. Well, brother, 10 years ago, you were serving soup in a kitchen and you were making a difference, but the line was not shrinking. Now you are serving chicken and uh, the empire continues to expand and the line is slowly uh, being reduced. We wanna thank you for your chicken. We wanna thank you for your work. We wanna thank you for your mission. And we wanna thank you for leading with love because it, it, it is making a difference, not only in Columbus, Ohio, but beyond. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I really appreciate our friendship and uh, excited to see how this goes forward, friend. Well, my friends, that is Joe DeLoss. This is John O'Leary. And today is your day. Live inspired. My friends, I want to thank you for being part of our Live Inspired podcast community. And as much as I love the guests that we have on, I appreciate even more the impact of their stories, their messages, their lives on yours. So I'm asking you to take just a moment to do me a big favor. I'd like you to take a survey so that we can better understand what it is about our Live Inspired podcast that you love, what's working for you, maybe what's not working perfectly for you, what more you'd like to hear about, and maybe a special guest you'd like us to bring on. You can take this survey by visiting me online at John O'Leary Inspires dot com forward slash podcast again here we go john o'leary inspires dot com forward slash podcast come on i really want these podcasts to be as best as they can i want them to challenge your thinking and elevate your lives so take just a moment right now help us make this better not only for you but for our entire community your feedback matters so go again right now to john o'leary inspires dot com forward slash podcast.